Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and if it's your first time joining us, well, let me just tell you just a quick rundown of what we do here every week-ish. Depends on if your girl's got her stuff together. In some weeks, I'll be honest, I do not. But this week, we kind of do. So here's what we do. We take our stories and our experiences that have shaped us the most, and we share them as a way to turn around and reach out to those who are coming behind us and say, hey, what you're walking through, what you're going through, whatever it is that you are experiencing right now that makes you feel so alone, that makes you wonder, why did no one tell me that this would feel like this or that I could potentially walk through this one day or how to get through this? These stories and experiences are to create a map for you in a lot of ways and to make you feel just a little less alone. And so this one in particular is just a personal experience of mine. Um, Every now and again, I'll do these solo episodes really when I'm going through just just a season or maybe just on the other side of one where I'm just like, man, I did not see that being so hard, right? Um, This one had me thinking back to the like early 2000s, right after Ryan and I got married. He was in school and I had just started out in ministry at a local church and we had no money, my friends. And so the very first house that we bought was 800 square feet and it was shaped like the letter U and it had this like screened in porch that was placed in the curve of the letter that makes sense. I'm trying to create a visual for you here. And as a 22 year old first time home buyer, I was unfortunately making decisions based on if it was cute. And it was rather than if you know, the roof would actually roof the way it was supposed to. Who knows to even look for that kind of stuff at 22, right? You're like, I like the vibe of this house, I should buy it. <laughs> so the exterior was dark blue and it had these shakes on it that I didn't know were called that until later in life, but it's just a different form of siding and some red shutters and huge windows that let in tons of sunlight. The inside, well, it was my first experience with a washer and dryer right next to the stove in the kitchen and a bathroom the size that would lead to just excessive bruising if you misjudged the one step from the toilet to the shower. It was very small, tiny, all around. And no one had met the beauty that is Chip and Joanna Gaines yet, okay? So the idea of a color palette for a whole house, no, I, again, just pointed to the samples that I liked and ended up with a bright yellow kitchen, a bright coral of all colors, dining room, a green guest room, and a blue bedroom. It was, I would imagine that it is what Rainbow Bright's house would have looked like on the inside. I just really liked bright colors. And so here we were just living in one sunny land at all times. But what the inside lacked was made up for in the backyard. It had a huge deck with raised flower beds just off to the side. Now, I have never tried my hand at full-on gardening at that point, and I came from a family that revolved more around like the speed of making food rather than the sustenance of the food. We were more of a add water to a can than fresh veggies pulled from a garden kind of family. But friends with far greener thumbs, they told me that I could probably, most likely, raise tomatoes, zucchinis, and green peppers in these raised flower beds. So I wasn't setting out to like commit botanical murder, but the option was never really off the table because 
I don't know how to grow things. Okay, I still don't. And for several weekends, I was bent down with just these few gardening tools that I owned that I don't even know were supposed to be used for what I was doing. But again, poor, we couldn't get anything else. Digging these shallow holes, placing the tiny seeds in each and then measuring out the distance prescribed on the seed packets so that each one had room to grow. I began to understand this concept of burying and waiting. I'm not the most patient person, perhaps a result of that just add water phase of my childhood growing up. I like immediate measurable results, right? But with gardening, you don't have a choice. You plant, nurture, and wait. Eventually, small sprigs of green would poke through, followed by sturdy stalks with branches strong enough to hold the harvest while it ripened. And by the following spring, I had actual food to eat from this garden. No one was more surprised than me. Now, I didn't fully trust what I'd grown because I'm more of a kill them with kindness kind of person when it comes to plant life. So over watering, over pruning, plucking off the vine too soon, that's way more of my vibe. But these fresh vegetables from my own efforts, be honest, I gave them away because eating them wasn't a risk I was willing to take. I didn't trust them, honestly. But I realized where I'd gone wrong in the past. I had been trying to force something to grow that wasn't ready. The overwatering, the overpruning, the plucking it before it was actually ready to be pulled from the vine. I wanted to rush the burial process and get to the growth. I wanted to get to what was next. I wanted to get to results. I wanted to get to something to show for my efforts. So whether it's deep disappointment, dreams of what could be shattered, or grief at loss so big you can't begin to wrap your heart around it, each instance creates a sense of a burial. Something is taken, placed more than six feet under, and yet we get to decide what grows. It took me years to realize when the choice of what happens to us is taken, we are given the choice of what will fill its space. Will bitterness, anger, frustration, annoyance start spreading its roots, choking out any new life that could be developing? Because that's always an option on the table, because those are cheap and easy emotions to grab onto. They take very little effort to grow. A Christian scholar, his name is Dallas Willard, he wrote, God has yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. And if we faithlessly discard situation after situation, moment after moment as not being right, we will simply have no place to receive his kingdom into our lives. Okay, that faithfully discard situation after situation, moment after moment as not being right part, that got me real good. Okay, because every season is not meant to be full of fruit. I am a doer and an achiever and I love results. I live for a pat on the back at the end of the day that I have done well, I have got things done. Over the course of time, nothing has been wasted. And so the the realization that every season is not meant to be full of fruit. That is a hard one, personally, for me to swallow, because I want to see that something good is always coming from what I'm doing. But every season is meant to cultivate the growth of fruit. See the difference? Every season's not a harvest season. 
there has to be time buried. There has to be time cultivating the growth of the fruit that will one day appear. Faithful, faithlessly discarding every circumstance that is less than what we expected or desired means we're only faithfully following our own will instead of his. We're claiming our own sovereignty over our story. What if instead of asking God to change the circumstance around me, I lean into asking God to change me? See, that doesn't feel right, you know? Because again, that costs something. Letting the bitterness and the frustration and the anger, letting that grow, that's cheap, right? And it might feel like you are doing something productive in the moment, but over time, there's never fruit from those. When we are planting bitterness and frustration and anger, or whatever, jealousy, when those, are, when those are the seeds being planted, we're not going to see a harvest, definitely not a harvest that we want to be a part of. So what if instead of railing at God and saying, can you please change this? I have done my time. I want this to feel different. I want this to look different. This is not what I signed up for. What if instead of saying, can you change this by now? What if we said, will you change me? The truth is, the more we expect our circumstances to bring us joy, the more disappointed we'll be. We've got to reframe our thoughts in order to change our feelings. And it's okay to grieve where you are. Don't, don't get me wrong. Things happen <laughs> that are honestly, it's just unfair because we live in a world of unfair. It is a fallen world where there is nothing guaranteed at any moment. And so the sudden change, it's okay to grieve that. Don't take any of this as you have no right to be discouraged or let down. We have to create space for those feelings, but we also have to make the choice not to live in those feelings. Even David, a man described as a man after God's own heart, he cried out in Psalm 13 asking, God, how long? That's the first line of Psalm 13. God, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Seasons of burial, they can make you feel forgotten or ignored. Seasons of burial can paint inaccurate pictures of everyone else's lives around you, right? They all look full of growth and momentum and that harvest that you want and just generally better than where you are right now. But see, that's one of the enemy's greatest tools, this disillusionment. It's a refusal to see glimpses of God's glory and goodness in your life and only see it in the lives of others. And what makes it worse? When you see it in the lives of others, you don't celebrate them. You actually start to resent them. Distance grows and it eventually builds a wall around you, blocking out the light. And no new growth can even grow. It all starts shriveling up. So this episode is really just a simple reminder for me and maybe for some of you who are in those seasons of burial right now. All I can say is don't mistake burial for death. What's buried is not dead. He always resurrects. That dream, desire, hope, that faith, it may be under some layers of the unexpected, of the unwanted, but none of it is dead. 
I can't pinpoint right now when whatever is happening in your life will turn the corner into a harvest. But if we sat down across from each other at a coffee shop or we walked my neighborhood together and you shared your story along the way, I know without a doubt that I could pinpoint moments of his goodness in your life. I know that I could highlight glimpses of his glory as he weaves your story. They are there. I promise they're there. So I propose that we begin changing our thoughts so we can change our feelings, right? Let's look for the glimpses, okay? They're subtle, these glimpses of his glory and his goodness. Sometimes it's the way the sun comes through the window early in the morning. Sometimes the laughter every time you hit that spot right under your little one's arm. Or the genuine, I love you, before you hang up the phone. Maybe it's a spur of the moment lunch with a friend or honestly, on some days it can be the BOGO on Ben and Jerry's at Publix. That is a glimpse of glory in its most raw form. But you have to catch these glimpses. Write them down. Record them somewhere in your notes app in a journal at the end of the day. Create a practice of seeing what is good instead of dwelling only on what needs to change. That is what will change you. We can catch these glimpses and we can create them on behalf of others. Because it's when we stop focusing on ourselves and start focusing on others that our thoughts start to change and our feelings start to change. God uses his people to reflect who he is. So in this moment, who could you shoot a text to? Or if you're feeling wild, make a phone call to, to encourage them in whatever season they are walking through. Instead of dwelling in your circumstance and waiting it for waiting for it to change, thinking that is what will bring you joy. What will bring you joy is seeing others, meeting others where they are and pouring into them. Let someone know that they've impacted you because that will carry impact for them. That will shift your perspective. Catch a glimpse or create a glimpse. Either way, we make it less about ourselves and more about what he's doing even when it feels like he's not doing anything. Because the truth is, we weren't designed to carry the loads that we choose to carry. The weight we keep adding on. Before Jesus left this world, he reminded, he reminded us that he gets it. Okay, in, in John sixteen thirty three, he says, Here on this earth, here where you are right now, where I have been, you will have many trials and you will have many sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. This is not all there is. This is not the end of anyone's story. Nothing here in this world can defeat what he's working in you right now, because he's already overcome everything this world throws. So I want to I want to end with a question. What would today look like? if you lived like you believed that. <laughs>